Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express Impressing Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and this week I'm joined by Paul Chalk, Jamie Durant, and Sean Wallace. But also joining us is an expert on Newcastle United, Sean Douglas, somebody who formerly worked at the Evening Express and is now back in his back in his homeland. But he is going to help us digest Marty Longstaff's move from Newcastle United on loan to the Dons. Before we get to that, we will of course have to chat about Aberdeen 1, Ross County 1 at Pataudry on Sunday and we'll also get to Inverness, Cove, Peterhead and Elgin as always. But yes, first of all, Sean Wallace, how much do Aberdeen need this international break on the basis of Sunday's performance? Yeah, I think they need it quite a lot. I think the fighting on two fronts in Europe and domestically is, is beginning to take its toll on Aberdeen. They looked ponderous at the back and they just lacked that spark up front. I mean, the Ross County goal, I mean, that should have been cleared. Joe Lewis should arguably have saved the first shot. Um, created so many chances, but just didn't have that like, edge to put it into the net until, yet again, the keeper... Made like he should have collected it, spilled Johnny Hayes' shot out to Christian Ramirez, who showed good predatory instincts to rush in and push it over the line. But I mean, even once that equaliser went in, it just seemed the Dons didn't have the impetus to push on and go for that. The, the three points it just seemed all too flat for me. So, a, a good Almost two weeks off. It'll give Stephen Glass time to fully integrate the new signings. And I mean, because of the Thursday, Sunday game schedule, it's just been like a, a an endless loop of football, travelling, recovery, game again, and then back. So he's had very little time on the training pitch to work with what he wants with these, all these new signings. And so the next week and a half, two weeks, will be invaluable for Stephen Glass and Aberdeen. And hopefully they emerge from it fired up, ready to go. Because, I mean, it's going to be a, a very, very tough season with Hearts and Hibs already looking pretty impressive. It's going to be pretty difficult to not get into the new signings and what value they might bring while we're discussing the game at the weekend. But if we start with the defence... For me, at the moment, that sort of centre-half pairing of Ross McCrory and Declan Gallagher isn't quite working. I'm trying to put my finger on why it's not working. I think maybe McCrory's obviously still learning that position a little bit. I think Gallagher is the one that surprised me a little bit. He looks quite nervous for being such a experienced centre-half, an international centre-half, somebody that's captained another Premiership team. Yeah, there's, there's times when he's he's lost the ball far too easily for me. And I, I was expecting him to be dominant in that, that role, but that hasn't emerged yet. I'm sure it will once he settles in, but it has been quite a nervy start. And Ross McCrory, I mean, he's he's still learning the trade in that that position. I mean, centre-back, it's so much more about just like clearing. I mean, there's a positional game sense, knowing where to go, where to track runs. And it's going to take time when you're playing in the top flight to get to the level where you're at, like where Stephen Glass needs his centre backs to be. So the signing of David Bates is a, a huge positive. Oh, he's done it. A, he's, he's, he's jumped into it. <laughs> aye. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Go on though, Bates. Yeah, obviously, obviously got experience playing at a good level when he was, especially his first season with Hamburg, Bundesliga two for a full season, pretty much. Aye, I mean he played. I mean Bundesliga two is a very high level, and I mean he's a. I mean, although they're almost like fallen German giants, I mean, Hamburg are still a huge team. And it was only in that debut season, I think he made like 25 to 30 appearances until he picked up a a bad injury towards the end of the campaign. And Hamburg only missed out on promotion on the final day of the season. So he's playing at a, a top level. And then when Hamburg missed out on that, promotion back to the top flight because they'd spent so much on getting back it meant there was huge cuts changing management and David Bates ultimately was one of the players that lost out through that but I mean I've got no doubt about his quality in terms of in terms of Ross McCrory just to touch back on him briefly I think the thing that's the moment that stood out for me in terms of positional sense and you know, getting used to the position a little bit was that sort of strange period after the Dons did get an equaliser, having pushed and sort of hemmed County in for so long. They get they get the goal, make it one one, and then there's about six minutes added on, and in that time they threaten the Ross County's goal precisely zero times because there was so many niggly fouls around halfway. One of them was, of course, McCrory. Once he'd already been booked, sort of barging past Scott Brown, something that Scott Brown didn't look too particularly happy about to sort of commit a foul and barge at the back of a county player which wasn't really his job at that moment um, but as you say I'm sure you'll learn um, the forwards as well I think there were echoes with Ryan Hedges out of course and new signings that perhaps aren't up to speed yet of maybe last season dare I say in terms of being able to pin a team back but not necessarily having that bit of magic to unlock a defence anyway we'll get on to this I was just no, gonna, they just couldn't get the they just couldn't get it over the green. I mean, there was one one moment when the ball bounded off the keeper, and the Mires was in the perfect position, but it actually like just spun and went through his legs. It's just one of those days. Um, in terms of before we move on to County's performance in the day, which was of course a good performance given they got a one-one draw at Aberdeen, but the Don's transfer window business, the transfer window obviously closes. Tonight, in the last week, they've brought in David Bates, as we mentioned. They've also brought in Marley Watkins and Austin Samuels. Um, but I think the big the big headline signing they made, the one that was pretty unexpected and I think got the fans excited, was Matty Longstaff on loan from Newcastle United, a player that we'll all, all have seen in match of the day, I'm sure. Sean, Douglas, you've joined us to, to tell us about Matty Longstaff. I suppose my first question... Um, for the expert is we know him from that debut where he scored the you know the, the howitzer against Man United at St James's Park. Um, was it at St James's Park? Is that right? It, it was, yeah. Um, I mean, he also hit the he also hit the bar in that game as well, so it was it, it was quite a start. Um, but he 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 did also score against uh, Manchester United again later in the season at Old Trafford. Um, not quite as heroic because we lost four one, but you know what? They all count, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, it, it's been an interesting, uh, it's been an interesting sort of time since then for Matty Longstaff. But um, I think it will be a, um, an impressive signing for Aberdeen. Um, yeah, and I think uh, um, the international break comes at a good time as well. Um, allows them to sort of get used to um, 
yeah, just get get used to sort of uh, life under Stephen Glass as opposed to Steve Bruce. In in terms of what's happened to Matty Longstaff, obviously he's made fourteen Premier League appearances. Why why has he fallen out with the picture at Newcastle to the point where he's been put out on loan? Do you think? I mean that that is a question that I think um, a lot of people are still trying to wrap their heads around. Um, I mean, when he when he broke through in the 2019-20 season, um, he looked very composed. He was a player that had been um, that the player had thought highly of for for some time. It wasn't just that he sort of um, you know was filling a, a an injury void. They really did think that he was um, going to be something quite special. Um, and then since then, uh, after he scored um, at Old Trafford uh, on Boxing Day in 2019, the club offered him a five-year contract. Um, he turned that down because he wanted a well. It was a as was everything Newcastle United um, related. It turned into a saga um, which dominated everything. Um, he wanted uh, a bit more control uh, of his own development. He's very sort of um, mindful of um, what steps he need, needs to take to to reach the highest level. Um, so I think that um, you know while the contract situation was getting sorted out. Um, Steve Bruce uh, looked at looked at other options. Um, I mean, Newcastle do still have his brother Sean, Isaac Hayden, John Joe Shelby, um, and uh, that that January they also signed Nabil Bentaleb. So there's, there's been a lot of competition. Um, then he uh, eventually did sign a new contract um, after Udinese came in and offered him a deal. Um, and so I think that. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that uncertainty perhaps didn't help his cause during that during the end of that breakthrough season, and then the following season he started off with an injury and a thigh problem, which ruled him out for a while. But then by the time he came back, the team was in such a um, was in such a problematic position, really struggling to sort of um, you know get results. I think Steve Bruce just turned to experience and then brought in Joe Willock in 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 January, and that. And Joe Wilkes obviously done fantastically since, and it's all just sort of meant that um, he's had very few opportunities. But he is still rated very highly by the fans. Um, uh, yeah, um, I mean he's he's been linked with a lot of clubs this summer. Um, uh, so I think for Aberdeen to get him does represent something of a coup. Um, but yeah, uh, he hasn't played much over the past, well, certainly past twelve months. Um, so I think that he's probably going to look a little rusty, um, you know, for the first few for the first few weeks, I'd imagine. Yeah, I was I was going to say it seems it seems strange, and I know Don's fans maybe won't like me saying this. Um, well, certain certain ones will be realistic about things, but it seems strange to go from negotiating a deal with Udinese um, as a as a Newcastle United player, and then. The only loan move that comes to fruition for you is Aberdeen, when this English Championship teams presumably pretty pretty interested, pretty keen on him. What, why do you think none of those moves worked out um, this summer? I mean, that's that's a good question as well. Um, I, I think that, um, as I say, Longstaff is someone who is very sort of. Um, he knows sort of what he wants. He knows that he wants to play games. I think he's already said that on at least one occasion since he since he signed for Aberdeen. And I think that the sort of um, you know the experience of um, of you know uh, the experience of like Freddie Woodman might might sort of show him that you know he can go to to Scotland and then you know get get into the first team. Uh, um, I mean Newcastle have sent a few a few uh, players on loan to Scotland over the years, and and it's worked out 
pretty well for, I'm not going to say all of them, but, you know, some of them. Uh, I mean, his brother Sean went to Kilmarnock and that done him a world of good. Uh, Freddie Woodman obviously went to Kilmarnock and, and Aberdeen and uh, now he's the starting keeper at the moment. Um, so, uh, I'd, I, I'll just assume, though, um, that Longstaff thinks that this is the best opportunity for him and the club knows that he needs game time. Game time is more important than perhaps the... Um, is it, well, it is the most important thing for him. Um, so I think that uh, with Aberdeen, maybe, maybe you guys will disagree, but I would say that he's probably more likely to get that there than if he went to a team uh, in the Championship where it might be you know, a little less, uh, a little less guaranteed. Sean, Sean two, Sean Wallace, I suppose Sean one, really, in terms of Northern goal. Um, but you've you've obviously seen uh, Matty Longstaff play on Sunday. Uh, Sean Douglas, you've you've seen him play as well. What what type of midfielder would you would you say he is? I mean, the reason I ask is, of course, given it's deadline day, we don't yet know for certain that Lewis Ferguson, for example, is going to be at Aberdeen when the window closes. Um, is is he a similar midfielder to Lewis Ferguson, or does he differ? What, what's the assessment? No, I was just going to say. I mean, it's fairly early days in assessing him from an Aberdeen standpoint. But from what I saw, I think if Ferguson was to leave before the transfer window, I think he would be a very strong replacement. But perhaps even more of an attacking option. I think the thing that really impressed me. About, about him was that he'd never lost the ball. He was supremely composed and always passes found their man. And the cross-field balls he was pinging, particularly to the on-nush and Calvin Ramsey, were superb. And, I mean, that's, that's him playing with no game time this season and only like one or two training sessions with Aberdeen. So I'm very excited to see what he can bring once he gets up to speed. Sean? I, I, I think that that's. I think that's probably um, you know something that Aberdeen fans can probably expect more of. Um, I would say that he's. I would say that he is a, a you know genuine box to box player. Um, I think uh, certainly when you compare him to his brother Sean, um, as if we need more Sean's in the show. Um, uh, yeah, but when you compare him to Sean Longstaff, um, Matt is is certainly a one who um, he's not afraid of a challenge, um, but then. I think just from watching, you know, that, you know, the, the times when he has played for Newcastle, he's not afraid to sort of um, to get forward, move the ball, um, move the ball around, and also just sort of break into the box late or potentially, as everyone saw uh, from the Man United game, take a take a shot from just outside the box. So, um, I think that if Lewis, you know, whatever happens with Lewis Ferguson, um, I think that Matty Longstaff will be a valuable addition to Aberdeen's midfield. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy who works hard. Um, he, he's, you know, he's, he's like a little sort of, I don't know, like a little uh, ginger beaver just sort of ferociously roaming around midfield. Um, and then, uh, and, 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 that's, and that's another reason, I suppose, why I think that Aberdeen's a good move for him. I think to learn from, from Scott Brown will be... Uh, be something really valuable um, for, for him as well. So um, I think that he is able to do a bit of everything, and I think that uh, I think that it stands Aberdeen in good stead. Sean, I was just going to ask you. You, you said that yeah, Marty 
was very sort of involved in his own development. Do you think Scott Brown was the influence of Scott Brown would have been key in his decision to come to Aberdeen? I mean, I, I would think so because I, I guess. Um, I mean, Matty Longstaff previously sort of indicated that he wants to, you know, be a, a regular for Newcastle in midfield, but also that he would eventually one day perhaps like to be a club captain, um, which is quite quite an ambitious uh, sort of thing to to be aiming for. And I think that um, when you see what Scott Brown has achieved in the game, uh, I, I think that really um, he's that that's that's a sort of perfect player for him to learn from. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if you know, never mind Stephen Glass's connection to Newcastle, but seeing Scott Brown as, as someone to learn from, I think Matty Longstaff would be very, uh, would be very, um, yeah, excited to learn from him as well. Okay, I'm, I'm conscious here that we've we've spoken about the Dons quite a bit um, so far. Uh, I've mentioned, of course, that Lewis Ferguson he could potentially leave by the end of the day. We don't know yet. Nothing, nothing concrete. Although there have been obviously bids from likes of Watford earlier. In the window, Ryan Hedges as well as a wanted man, but there doesn't appear to maybe be the same sort of level of realistic bid for that, the attacker. Yet, Marley Watkins and Austin Samuels are the other two players that came in to Pataudry in the last few days. Marley Watkins, of course, he's a known quantity, and I'm sure we expect him to get up closer to Christian Ramirez and be able to sort of, you know, make things happen in that forward area. Austin Samuels as well, Sean, I understand, was pretty impressive on debut, full of energy, full of pace, more like a winger than a, a forward. Yeah? Yeah, I was really impressed with him. And he, he played on the left and, I mean, his pace caused, caused huge problems, very direct, willing to take on a man. And, I mean, he was unlucky in that score. He got in the end of a couple of chances, one shot fast, just wide of the far post after going across the goal. Yeah, the thing that, I find exciting is that Aberdeen have got the sort of option to buy at the end of his own deal. So if he continues to produce levels of performance like that, and one would hope he would improve as well because that was his first game of the of the campaign. I mean, he looks like an, an exciting addition, which Aberdeen could potentially get as a permanent signing next summer. Chalky, how, how gutted... Will Ross County be about Sunday's result, having having led for so long to concede in the way they did, which was undoubtedly a, a goalkeeping error from Ross Laidlaw. I thought he probably, with a shot like that, the safe thing to do would have just been to tip it round for a corner, but he, he tried to hold it and obviously couldn't. Um, I suppose it's a good point in the end, but the way the way that point came about, there'll be frustration there that they didn't get all three. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. I think that's the, the key thing. And when you heard Malky Mackay, the manager, speak at the end of the game, he, he said that that was a, a real opportunity missed for Ross County to drive up the table with an unexpected victory. Um, the number of chances they created in back-to-back games now against Rangers in Aberdeen gives them a little bit of hope. Um but uh, there were opportunities, even when it went 1-1, you mentioned this, the amount of stoppage time at the end of the game, Ryan, as well. They had they didn't sit back and say, right, OK, we'll take a point. They they were at Pataudry to win and they, they sensed that this was an Aberdeen team, you know, not quite firing in all cylinders yet. And um, players such as Ross Callaghan had a, an opportunity, for example, and it was good indeed for Reagan Charles Cook to get his first uh, premiership goal. 
as well, having done so in the, the League Cup last season. And he uh, was getting uh, star ratings from the, the county fans at, at the weekend as, as well. So a hard set of fixtures for Ross County. But um, having scored twice against Rangers and then once at Pitodre, there's a real optimism now. Of course, they've no game this weekend because it's the SPFL Trust uh, trophy. But uh, the next game's a, a wee trip to Celtic Park, which will be a, another immense challenge for them because Celtic... Uh, uh, reinvigorated, but especially when they play at home um, on the road, they're, they're not so good. I think uh, despite his performance, we need to take points off uh, Regan Charles Cook for his celebration. Well, maybe not the celebration, but the description of the celebration he gave our colleague Andy Skinner. Um, I'll just I'll read you an excerpt here. Um, my surname is Charles Cook, and the celebration was for cooking. It was a whisk in a bowl. So <laughs> we were all baffled by that one. Yeah, he he, um, he did say he did say that his teammates when they read that would probably batter him, and I think uh, yeah, I think justified on this occasion. Um, what do you, what do County Chalky still need to add before they close a play today? Not much, I would say. Um, I think they're up to twelve, thirteen players in the door, so they're, they're almost there. I think we would maybe expect one more player um, by the the close of the window. Um, defensively. Um, that was their, their probably their key area that they needed filled, especially after Jake Vokens, the fullback on loan from Southampton, um, needed surgery on in his foot before a Premiership ball was kicked the day before the St Johnson game. They've they've filled that to to some extent, um, albeit um, you know shuffling the the pack a, a little bit. But uh, uh, there was a a real um, um, kind of. Uh, reshuffle of the pack, players playing in different positions. Um, Malky maybe needs to look at a natural left-back to go in there. I think um, it's Ben Payton that slotted in, certainly in the, in the Rangers game at left-back. And by all accounts, I mean, he, he did well in the Rangers game and same again at, at the weekend. So um, maybe by accident, they, they, they might fill that um, position. But uh, yeah, I think defensively, they just that's always... Since Malky arrived, he said Ross County have to be better. They are conceding too many goals. But, uh, you know, they're sitting there amid this schedule with a couple of points on the board now, which is probably two more than than people would expect. Um, it really could have been four. Uh, as you say, Ryan, they had the opportunities at Pitodri. But in, in terms of the squad, I'd say maybe one more and it would again be defensively. Cool. Perfect. Well, we will move on before we do. Um, just to mention, if you've enjoyed the Aberdeen section of this week's podcast, you can sign up to our Aberdeen newsletter. Um, the link for that particular page on the PNJ website will be in the, the description of this episode. Anyway, next up, we'll move on to Inverness, who've continued their sparkling start to the championship season. Okay, Chalky. We'll come to you first of all. Callie Thistle, in defence and attack, what are they doing to maintain this superb start to the season, beating their, you know, beating the favourites for the championship title, Kilmarnock, at the weekend? And deservedly so. Um, and uh, as Kirk Broadfoot said after the game, we'll take 1-0s every week if that takes us to where we need to be. And of course, uh, it certainly would. Um, they've got the balance right. Billy does the head coach. Obviously, would like more goals to help the team and himself breathe a little easier on match days. But listen, it was a big, bold performance. Um, the goal 
if you get a chance to see it, was quality, a, a swift attack um, involving a number of players, a lovely little ball with Shane Sutherland and Manny Duku, who are normally at the, the, the top end of, of things when goals are, even if they're not scoring them, they're, they're involved. Played out to Michael Gardine and uh, the former Ross County man rifled it into the net after just seven minutes. And Kilmarnock uh, obviously come down under Tommy Wright from the Premiership. They are the favourites to go back up. Um, they've got a quality squad remaining at Rugby Park. There's a big expectation there. And in some ways that helped Cali Thistle. I felt that the pressure and the limelight was on Kilmarnock to do the business and open up a, a three-point gap. Um, but Cali Thistle, since their Premier Sports Cup run, when they did lose to Cove and they lost to Hearts and, of course, still in Albion, beating them in penalties, that was right at the start of the campaign. Being knocked out of that was the best thing that could happen for them because they've regrouped and says, let's firstly make ourselves hard to beat. And they've got that nice unit at the back, a well-drilled back four with Carson on the right. Robbie Dees, who really is starting to impress me more and more. Uh, you forget he's actually still quite a, a young player coming through from Celtic and then Aloha and really settled in, in the Highlands and... Um, you know, uh, the experience, as we say, of, of Kirk Broadfoot uh, shouldn't be underestimated alongside uh, Danny Devine back for his second spell at the, the club. Uh, and, of course, Mark Ridgers, who signed a new, a new deal last week, the goalkeeper, who um, actually racked up his 60th clean sheet at the weekend as well. I didn't really feel they were troubled too much by Kilmarnock. And when they were... Uh, Ridgers was there and Danny Devine was there, but the, even at that, it was kind of half chances. Um, so it, it was a deserved win for Cali Thistle and um, they got a break of competition to go into the the Challenge Cup this weekend against Bucky Thistle, which will win an interesting tie in itself. And they'll return for another cracker in, in two weeks' time when Partick Thistle, who have actually moved up to second place, come up to the Caledonian Stadium. So, so far, so good. They're playing a, a lot of good football, but... First and foremost, those clean sheets delight Billy Dodds more than anything right now. Just before we, 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 I go back to the question I was going to ask, um, the Bucky game at the weekend, are we expecting to see the likes of uh, Billy McKay? You know, the, the players that haven't quite been you know, been able to get in the team so far, um, we're expecting them to, to come in for that one? Yeah, almost certainly. Certainly, and Billy was saying that that's, that's something he's going to look at because he feels that there are players there who he would have no qualms about playing any given week. But because the team are in this form right now, how can you replace anyone? The only one that's really come in and, and forced his way into the team, probably on the back of that goal against Wraith Rovers, is Roddy McGregor. But apart from that, they've been keeping the, the starting eleven as it is. You know, um, uh, Michael Gardine went out after his, his red card. But other than that, um, there's been no reason to change things. But Billy McKay has come off the bench a couple of times. I'm... Looking forward to seeing Billy start, hopefully, at the weekend. Another player who's not uh, got a minute yet, I don't think, is Lewis Jamieson, the striker who's come in from St Mirren. Um, and there are others, um, you know, the likes of Cammy Harper might get an opportunity. Um, it, 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 he's got to be careful, Billy does, because the league clearly is the priority and... You don't want to be crashing out of another cup, albeit it's the, the lesser of all the competitions, the, the Challenge Cup. And um, 
you know, it would be still seen as a shock for Bucky to to come through to Inverness and win. But you, Bucky tested Cali Thistle in the, the Scottish Cup, um, you know, last season. And I think it's really a, a case of just be careful, make sure there's enough quality there. But from what Billy was saying, he, he believes in the guys that he brings in. So I think we will see changes. Billy McKay's the one that the fans are all looking for in particular to, to get a shot out there. So I think we, we can look forward to that at the weekend. But it's, a, it's a, a tie that needs to be managed very well because we all know what Bucky are about and they're up the, the top end of the, the Highland League for a reason. Graeme Stewart's got a great squad through there. Yeah, and coming off the, the back of a, a decent win against another strong Highland side in Far Martin, they're certainly yeah. a team that should be underestimated. The, the question I was going to ask you, um, and we've touched a little bit on it already, but Billy Dodds, obviously, this is his first season as a manager. His first transfer window was the summer window as a as a, a manager in his own right. Has he, I know some signings haven't gotten the team yet because the team's playing so well, but has he, at this point, it doesn't look like he's maybe made a bad signing. Would that be would that be safe to say? They all appear to be working out pretty well. Yeah, he's he's brought in the, the older heads mainly, hasn't he? In your, your Kick Broadfoots and Michael Gardines and Billy McKay's and uh, I suppose Lewis Jameson is the, the younger of them, Billy McKay, another experience. That's what he felt the, the group needed when he came in to assist Neil McCann, the interim boss last season. Um, he felt it was, a, it was a quiet group. They never really get angry when things were going against them. He, he wanted the, the, the team to be a bit more vocal, but also have that that dash of quality that they, they lacked. Of course, Cali Thistle um, missing out on the top four only by three points and it was a real decent effort in the, the second half of the season in those closing months in particular with McCann and Dodds in the sidelines. So he's uh, brought in the right kind of player needed to be up the top end of the championship. Cali Thistle can't afford another season uh, without at least getting into the playoffs. They've been robbed of that chance because of the pandemic in the past couple of years as well. So, um, yeah, he's got a, a real good balance. We don't expect anything really to happen on deadline day, although we have been surprised uh, before by, by late ones. But I think we're, we're uh, quite confident. Billy's quite confident that the group he has, he's, he's ready to run now and uh, any more activity will, will take place in the next window. Yeah, why wouldn't you be confident given given I don't think the top four is looking like it's going to be any issue this time around. Anyway, we'll move on to Cove, Peterhead and Elgin next up. Okay, Jamie, the forgotten man, the silent the silent <laughs> partner in this week's episode. Uh, Cove, first of all, they lost 2-1 away at Clyde at the weekend. Disappointing result for them, I think... Um, Paul Hartley suggested they'd maybe had 25 attempts on goal, but they were undone twice to David Goodwillie goals that he thought were defensively pretty poor. Um, just when things were kind of looking like they were all coming together again for Cove, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I was kind of taken taken aback by a little bit by this. I mean, also, you can't really underestimate Clyde when they've got someone um, of David Goodwillie's pedigree in the team. But given that the results that they've been on, I was expecting... Cove pretty much should just pick up where they left off from the the previous results against East Fife and Dumbarton. Um, they did have kind of a, a depleted side. They were only able to name two outfield players on the bench, and there, there was no Harry Milne available. There was no Shea Logan available. Ross Draper was still injured. Um, Fraser Fivey wasn't involved either after his return from suspension. So there was, I think, there's mitigating factors in there, and there's obviously players playing out of position as well. But 
Yeah, it's, it was a little bit of a surprise, I think. I mean, I don't think there'd be too many kind of uh, inquisitions about about the results. Um, it's the kind of thing that can happen. But I think it's maybe a little bit of a check for Cove and say that to get themselves kind of back on back on track again when it comes around to, to kind of the home games and hopefully that they can kind of get get bodies back involved. Because, um, I mean, two of the... Like the two outfield players on the bench were Jamie Masson and Leighton McIntosh. And Jamie Masson, who'd obviously just come back from a long-term injury, is still kind of building up his match fitness, so he's maybe not there in terms of ready to start a game yet. Um, so there's probably there's little things there that that Cove probably need to to iron out. Um, but I think Paul Hartley, I think, will just be keen to to get as many bodies back available as possible. I mean, he's spoken before about still wanting to get another forward player in. Um, whether that becomes possible over the next few weeks or not, um, given they get a little bit longer for loan signings, remains to be seen. But yeah, I think it's it wouldn't be the result that Cove were wanting, but I don't think it's certainly uh, it's certainly not a ca- catastrophic one. They'd probably be pleased, wouldn't they, that it's a SPFL Trust trophy game they've got this weekend against Stenhouse Muir, a chance to sort of, you know, Chances, I suppose, score a few goals, win the game, and you know, come back fighting for the the league again. I think if you look at if you look at that kind of competition, it's certainly one that Cove could have a run in, and I don't necessarily think that'd be a bad thing. I know people talk about it as kind of being almost like the tertiary competition in cup competition in Scotland, but for for a team like Cove, I don't think it would be too much of a distraction. I think it'd be quite a little bit of a a fillip for them if they were able to go on a bit of a run in the in the SPFL Trust Trophy reach, go get towards the latter stages. Obviously, it's draw-dependent. If you if you end up coming up against a championship team early doors, then it's, it is going to be difficult. But it's the kind of thing that can kind of go hand-in-hand hand with a, a kind of an upturn in league form as well. It can kind of help you. If, you. if you're winning games, regardless of what competition you're in, it's going to, it's going to build momentum and boost confidence. So playing, playing a team in the league below them um, at home, and a team that I think they've got a decent record against, I think Cove would expect to progress on Saturday. I don't expect there to be too many changes purely just because of the numbers that they've got available at the minute. But I think it'd be a good chance to, uh, to yeah, kind of get get a little bit more kind of positivity going again um, and hopefully uh, the start of a, of a run in the cup competition. You were at Peterhead's 3-0 defeat against East Fife. It's a fourth defeat on the spin now. For Peterhead, I think afterwards Jim McAnally told you that he thought they they dominated the game despite going down three 0 Is that the, the correct assessment? I think I think dominated might be a little bit of a strong kind of way of putting it, but I mean they were certainly the better team in the first half. I think they created more of the chances and they had more of the ball. Um, they didn't score, which is obviously the the all important factor. Um, I think the for Scott Gallagher into one save where he tipped a Naya Payne shot onto the post and then they had a couple of like cross shots that ended up coming back off the woodwork. Um, and I think they were, they probably would have felt a little bit aggrieved not to be going in at half time ahead. Um, but ultimately in the second half, the scoreline, they weren't like run over by East Fife, but at this, the sloppiness in all three goals, I would say, I think the first one, uh, the goalkeeper Brett Long's kind of rushed out to claim a ball that um, this fought the 
forwards beat him to Jamie Semple and he's put it across goal and ultimately Kevin Smith's had an empty net to tap it into. For the penalty, Jason Brown's made a challenge that he didn't really need to. Um, and then the third one, um, the ball's allowed been allowed to come into the into the box when it probably could have been stopped beforehand, before that's kind of played across goal. Um, I know Jim was kind of saying afterwards that he, he wasn't going to be too critical of his players for a, a performance like that. And I can sort of understand that because they were they weren't particularly bad. They weren't like outplayed. Um, I think maybe the old adage of needing to be clinical in both boxes, um, but also maybe because Jim's maybe conscious of the run that they are on at the minute, and he doesn't kind of want to pilot anything on further to the players um, because it is obviously four defeats, four defeats on the bounce after what was a promising start against Alloa. Um, they lost. The games against um, Falkirk and, and Montrose, um, and then Adrianians at home, and there's kind of the mitigate mitigation of that is that these are the teams that would expect to be challenging in the playoffs at the top end of the table, whereas East Fife they would have probably looked at being able to get something out of that game. Um, it's a shame, but again, they've, they've got East Fife again this weekend in the in the Challenge Cup at home so I don't think again just purely down to numbers I don't think Jim will make that many changes um, maybe make one or two because there's maybe is one or two players there that could do with just to spell out the team and giving someone else a chance to to impress um, but if I think sooner rather than later for them they need to start picking up a couple of results um, and so this doesn't kind of snowball into something more serious Right, be interesting to see how that how that second clash with East Fife goes and whether it's any different. Um, Chalky, Elgin, they were beating 2-0 at Edinburgh City on Friday night. Um, they lost two goals early in what was a slow start. That's not something we've uh, accused Elgin of this season so far. Um, it is for the listeners that haven't you know, listened before or listened to the Elgin section before. Um, yeah, it just it just seems like they can't, they can't break this habit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's not just us saying it. It's Gavin Price, the manager, saying it last week. In fact, in the in the previews last week when he spoke to uh, Andy Skinner, um, that was his concern. They need to stop starting slowly. And there we are, a goal down in 13 seconds and a second goal within eight minutes. And uh, by all accounts, it was a, a good recovery from them. But as Ewan Spark, the, the captain, said this week, it's all very well, playing well, when you're two down, but by, by that time, away to Edinburgh City, the game's gone. Um, and if there's one team that Elgin don't cope with, it's Edinburgh City. They haven't beaten Edinburgh City in, I think it's 13 attempts now, way back in August 2018, Shane Sutherland, who's now Inverness, was the, the scorer. They just can't get the better of Edinburgh City. And sometimes there are fixtures that you just never get over the line in. But what Gavin Price, the manager, was, was saying this week on, on on the back of that defeat is that this is something they have to address. Now, at the end of the season last year, the Elgin suffered a damaging or a potentially damaging 5-2 defeat to Albion Rovers. That sparked um, a lot of uh, chat in-house in within the, the group, a real, um, by all accounts, heated uh, clear-air meeting uh, led to 
um, any issues been been ironed out, and we saw an improvement so much so that Elgin again finished third in the table, and they only didn't progress through the playoffs because again they met Edinburgh City, and even then they were so unlucky down there that that night not to get through. So um, this weekend. The SPFL Trust Trophy, they played in Fernland, a team in real trouble at the, the foot of the championship. It could be a right good game for Elgin to get the, the teeth into. The bigger picture, though, is in two weeks when they're away to Kelty Hearts, the strong favourites and already league leaders of, of League Two. And Gavin feels the next fortnight now has got to be crucial that mentally he needs to drill into his players, maybe alongside new assistant manager Stephen Mackay on the, the Thursday sessions that he joins them that they really have to be switched on from the start. It's something that they they, they can drill into the players all they want, but they ha- the players now have to prove this in match days. Let's see how they, they fare against Infermline, a team two leagues up but struggling um, this weekend. We need to see improvement. And if Elgin are going to be in the mix for promotion again, they, they need to get points on the board quickly because very, very quickly this can run away from them and, and Gavin knows that. Although although Elgin are denying there's been any bids at the moment, um, I suppose their their fear will be that, oh, I, I don't know if it's a fear getting an offer you can't refuse, but I suppose the fans' fear will be that they lose Kane Hester before the close of play today. He's obviously prolific at League 2 level, the striker. Um, for me, that would be a huge blow for Elgin losing him. He's kind of he's kind of their, their main man, their talisman. Um, do you, do you think anything will happen, or are, we, are you are you confident that he'll still be there? Come come the close of the window. I, listen, I would be surprised if there, there wasn't interest in Kane Hester by the end end of tonight because um, I feel he, he's good enough um, to play a, a level higher than League Two. Um, but you're right, Ryan. If if he does go in this window, it, it, a real damaging blow. They do have players that do chip in with goals. Uh, and it's normally defenders that are, are backing. Up, but you know this is a guy who's scored 19 goals in the last two years. He's already up to to seven as we uh, approach September. He's targeting 20 goals. One thing you have to say about Kenny is he, he, he seems um, settled and ready to to spearhead this attack again. But of course, if a club comes in at a higher level, then you know talking will will happen. Uh, but I agree with you; it would be a, a catastrophic blow if Kane Hester were to leave Elgin in this window. Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens later on today and into this evening. Anyway, that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. All that remains to be covered is a little bit of Highland League news. Obviously, I mentioned Bucky Thistle won 5-1 for Martin United in the weekend. A good result for them means they're staying relatively close to Fraserburgh, who remained undefeated, beating Inverurie Local Works, who are now under the control of Richard Hastings in the dugout. Um, the Brock won that one 3-0. Huntley also lost their undefeated record, losing 2-0 at home to Rothis. And for all the, the Highland League analysis after the weekend, as well as highlights from that for Martin Bucky game, and a nice feature on Clark McCudden's uh, recovery from the fire at Grant Street Park in 2019, you can watch Highland League Weekly, which is available on the Press and Journal website for subscribers. Anyway, thank you to Sean Douglas, who's departed, as well as our regular guys, Sean, Jamie and Paul, for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much, Ryan. No problem. Cheers. Thanks, Ryan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode of Northern Goal, you can like and subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You can email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy the football. 
whichever games you're watching. You might be watching Evening Express Aberdeenshire Cup action this evening. But if it's the weekend, enjoy whatever games you're watching this week. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.